Welcome to another episode of The Watchdog here with Loki on Mimpress. As you know, we are a purely independent form of media, so we require all the support we can possibly get from you. We ask that you like, share, and subscribe on this video, but also that you support us on Patreon if you are able to. Now, today we are joined by someone who has revolutionized along with many others, revolutionized uh, pro-Palestinian activism in this country. I'm talking about none other than uh, co-founder of Palestine Action, Huda Amori. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Thanks. And so to start with, what I want to ask you, just so you can relay for our audience, what is Palestine Action? And what exactly has it achieved in this country when it comes to taking on the Israeli war machine? Uh, so Palestine Action is a direct action network that was set up in July 2020. And it was set up with the aim of taking direct action to shut down Israel's largest arms firm, Albert Systems, and to end overall British complicity with the colonization of Palestine. And since we launched, we've been set on uh, taking various types of direct action against uh, Albert's numerous sites in Britain. And when we started off the campaign, there were actually 10, uh, 10 Albert sites in this country. They had five factories, uh, two offices, and they operated out of three Royal Air Force bases. We started off by targeting their London headquarters when a few of us would storm in and spray paint the site. Um, we moved on to targeting their arms factories where the production of the weapons were being made, as that was a crucial part of disrupting their supply chain in this country. Uh, and we would take various types of actions and still do to this day, which involved climbing onto the roof of these factories. It involved breaking into these factories at times. It involved blockading the gates. And our actions were always are always aimed at disrupting our target, which is Albert Systems, and making it impossible for them to continue to operate. And since our launch, we've seen sustained direct action against these targets, which has made it very difficult for Albert to maintain their premises across Britain. Because in between having uh, actionists target their facilities and shutting them down, sometimes for weeks on end, because when there's significant damage, they have to shut down for repairs, etc. In between being shut down directly, having to pay extra costs to fix up their premises after Palestine Action has been there, having to increase their costs on security, we have uh, made their profits, we have shrunken their profits. And this has forced them, alongside community mobilisation in Oldham, to uh, to leave their Oldham site and to sell it at a massive loss. That happened at the start of last year. In the summer of last year, they were forced to abandon their London headquarters. And at the end of last year, they were kicked out of over £218 million worth of contracts with the Ministry of Defence. Uh, so that's our campaign to date, but we are uh, adamant on continuing and only growing the campaign until we shut down all of Elbert's sites in this country. And just to be clear, how important is Elbit Systems as a company to Israel's violence? Well, Elbit Systems was born 
out of a necessity to maintain this violence over the Palestinian people. It was actually formed in 1966. Um, and part of the reason it was created was in order to capitalize and maximize on this need to dominate, oppress, uh, and ethnically cleanse the Palestinian people so they would profit from the destruction of Palestine. And they're doing the same model to this very day where they will uh, develop weapons on the Palestinians, use it against the Palestinians, and then market them as battle-tested and export them across the world. So this is a company whose whole business model is built on the destruction of Palestine. This has given them the opportunity to expand to places like Britain. And we know this is due to the fact that Britain and Israel have been uh, allies since day one. And Britain's actually been complicit in the colonization of Palestine uh, since prior to 1948 in 1917, when Britain basically signed away the land of Palestine. And now they welcome in Albus Arms factories in this country. So there is a, a moral duty and obligation to take action against these factories here. But Albert symbolizes the, profit, the profiteering and the continuation of the developing weapons on Palestinians, the surveillance that is used against the Palestinian people. Um, and essentially, without a military and without people providing the weapons, there would be no military occupation. Uh, so really, Elbit is at the crux of this. And that's also the reason that if you are building weapons here to be sent back, to Israel to be used against Palestinians, or you are a customer of weapons that have been developed on the Palestinian people, then you are just as guilty. Uh, for example, the British Ministry of Defense buy many of these weapons that have been after they have been used and developed on Palestinians, which only continues to encourage the further developing of weapons, the further use of weapons on Palestinians, and to continue the occupation because the British Ministry of Defence is getting these tested weapons and Elbit continues to profit and this cycle of violence just continues to benefit the oppressors uh, and work against the oppressed. And could you just tell us what else Elbit has been involved in across the years? You know, we know that it was also instrumental in developing the tech military industry in apartheid South Africa as uh, relatively primitive as it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Albert used the Palestinians as, as a way to develop their weapons, but essentially the world of oppressive regimes uh, is its market. And so we have seen that um, many of the, for example, the military drones that we see in Gaza, and these are flying above the heads of people in Gaza all of the time, constantly, watching their every move. Many of these drones can also be armed with missiles. And Elbe is actually a pioneer in the drone market, uh, essentially because it needed to uh, maintain and entrench the occupation and apartheid regime over the Palestinian people, um, including in, in Gaza. And so we've seen how these drones have brought turmoil to the people of Gaza and are used as a weapon against them. And um, the... Their customers range from uh, being uh, the British military who used the same drones, just a different name, called the Watchkeeper in Afghanistan and Iraq. You know, other weapons have been also used in Palestine first, made by Albert, 
and used against the people of Afghanistan and Iraq. We know that uh, India is the largest importer of arms from Israel. They import about 50% of Israel's weapons exports, which means that, again, they're using, and we know that these weapons are often being used against the occupied people of Kashmir. Another example is the apartheid wall um, in Palestine, which they built essentially to steal more land from the Palestinian people and keep them divided from their own communities. But this land, uh, this this wall, the electronics on this wall were actually, because they could demonstrate how well it worked against the Palestinians, Albert won the contract to build the same wall between the US and Mexico, was infamously known as Trump's wall. So we can see how uh, this laboratory of of um, that Palestine is being used as uh, it demonstrates how Palestine is so crucial to the struggle against imperialism. That many of the weaponry and surveillance that starts there is then slowly being uh, exported to other places, even to be used against people in the imperial court. Now, of course, it would be in no way on the same level as to those who are imperialized and colonized, such as the Palestinians. But we know that the British police force um, have been trialing Albert's drones because they want to phase out helicopters um, and they want to bring in more drones to surveil all of us. We know that in Glasgow, the Glasgow Council bought these drones, um, sorry, not the drones, the uh, CCTV that uh, from an Albert subsidiary again, after it was used to blackmail Palestinians, and now that's being used in, uh, in, in Scotland. So a lot of this surveillance is starting off in one place and ending up here. But for us, it's crucial to take action, not to uh, protect ourselves, but to use our privilege from where we are in a country like Britain, which has been so pivotal to uh, enabling the colonization of Palestine. And also where Elbit is very vulnerable because of the privilege that we have to take direct action against them. And now we have to expose those vulnerabilities, but act upon them um, and stop them from operating in this country. And we have proven as Palestine Action that that can be done, but it's for everyone else to join us to prove that we are capable as a movement in this country to get rid of all of Elbit's factories and offices in this country. Um, now, Huda, if you can just break down for us how important the communities around the factories have been in the victories that have been had, whether that is Oldham or Leicester, what kind of role has community played in this story? So in Oldham, uh, we have seen support from the community from even before Palestine Action. Um, this involved numerous uh, a local groups which were set up I believe in 2017, 2018, who would provide information to locals, um, who would protest against the site. And when we um, launched Palestine Action, uh, after a certain amount of time, every time there was an action, you would see support from the locals. And, um, you know, they would be out there supporting the action as it was happening. They would be out there at the police station waiting for the activists uh, to be released from the police station. And they continued to be there at their numerous court dates, um, even after the factory is closed. But 
The slightly disturbing thing, which works as a massive advantage to us, is the fact that Elbit has the audacity to place these factories in places which have a community um, which is instinctively going to oppose the existence of that factory there. So, for example, in Oldham, there is a very large Kashmiri community um, and people of all different backgrounds who come from countries or have family in countries that are affected by Elbit's weapons directly. Uh, we see the same thing in Leicester. In Leicester, in May 2021, this was during the bombing of Gaza, four people from Palestine Action scaled onto the roof of the Elbit factory in Leicester. And within uh, a couple of hours, the police came and they asked the fire service to remove the activists from the roof and they refused and put out a statement uh, from the Fire Brigades Union about how they stand in solidarity with Palestine. But at the same time, there were hundreds mobilising from the local community who were there day in, day out for six days in total. And when the police attempted to arrest the actionist on the roof, they came out and would actually barricade the gates, uh, faced arrest themselves, even just to throw bottles of water to the activists on the roof when they were refused it by the from the police. And they would build barricades and they blocked the police from arresting these activists for around eight hours. And so we could see the strength in solidarity that that community has with the Palestinian people and that people are disgusted and outraged by the fact that these factories exist in the first place. You know, once you expose it, and this is the thing about taking direct action, is not only are you directly disrupting the target, but in the process, you are exposing the fact that these factories exist there in the first place. Because uh, normally they can just hide in plain sight. They look like a normal factory building. However, when you have activists on the roof exposing what the factory is, it's pretty hard uh, to miss that. And since then, the community in Leicester has been adamant on getting rid of their local Israeli arms factory. You know, we've been invited to speak at their different protests and various other events to expose this factory and what it's doing further. And we look forward to joining them for May the 1st when we're going to lay siege to the Leicester Israeli weapons factory. And just before we get to that question of Leicester and May the 1st, I just wanted to ask you, in cases where people have gone before a jury, what has been the response of, you know, because people are getting arrested after these actions of the 250 people. However, the vast majority of those court cases are ending in not guilty, um, acquittal, um, you know, mm -hmm. There's there's a, a sort of a range of how those court cases are ending generally, um, but some of the responses from the juries on these cases have been quite striking. Could you tell us how the jury has responded, particularly in a, a case in London? Yes, yeah, so we had our first Crown Court case at the end of last year, and that was actually, I think, over two years, nearly two years after we started Palestine Action because we have a number of Crown Court cases that we expected to have back in 2021, but there has been significant, significant delays in these court cases. And we had our first one in November at the end of last year, and that was relating to an action at the London headquarters, which is now closed down 
where activists threw red paint across the site um, and created a river of um, a river of red paint to symbolise the bloodshed from this from this uh, from their former offices, and they were all charged with conspiracy to commit criminal damage. Um, and throughout the trial, all of the defendants spoke about Albert's crimes, um, what they are complicit in, about the plight of the Palestinian people. And at the end of the uh, trial, it took one hour, which I think is around the minimum time you can take as a jury to deliberate, for them to come back, the jury, and unanimously say that they were all not guilty. And not only did they do this, they actually proceeded to thank the, um, the activists for taking the actions that they did, and some even blew kisses to thank the activists from um, from the jury, which was incredible to see, and just shows how how the general public. These are twelve members of the of of the public who are pulled together to deliberate in a context where the people taking action against you know Israel and these Israeli arms factories are the ones being posed as supposedly the criminals in this context. And you leave that knowing that the jury are thanking you for taking that action that you did is quite, it's quite incredible to see and just proves the point that people know that Elbin is the guilty party in these cases, not the activists who take action against them. And so, you know, we continue to look forward to be able to prove this in further Crown Court cases, uh, which we will have uh, numerous throughout the year, but also what we're seeing in these cases is a desperation from Elbin uh, to deny who they are. In that London case, for example, halfway through the trial, Elbit had a note taker in the room. They do this quite often. They're spending, I don't know, hundreds of pounds a day for someone to sit there and take notes. And uh, they were unhappy with the fact that the CPS agreed that Elbit was an arms company um, who supplied drones which are used to kill, used against the Palestinian people. This is, I mean, basically uh, from Elbit's own website. And they actually had to intervene and try and tell the CPS that they cannot say this, of which they took back uh, halfway through the trial. They claimed that they can no longer say Elbit is an arms company, which to be honest, is just, it's ridiculous and it's laughable. Um, and I think people can see straight through that. And also it shows how desperate Albert are um, to, to not win these cases because it proves that they have no legal protection in this country. But either way, uh, for us as, as people in Palestine action, we don't go to court. Um, we go to court standing as the accusers and not the accused. And either way, we know that history will vindicate us. And that they have no protection in this country anyway, because we're not going to stop until they're until they're closed down. Fantastic. And just to ask you then, what is the significance of this action on May the first? And why should people make their way down to Leicester on May the first to be part of it? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, we have taken action before against Leicester's Israeli weapons factory. We have at this point in time, shut down two of Elbit's sites in this country and kicked them out of hundreds of millions of pounds worth of contracts with the Ministry of Defence. And our aim is to close down the rest of Elbit's sites as soon as possible. So for May the 1st, we're calling on everyone uh, to join us to lay siege to this factory, which will involve 
hundreds, if not thousands of us, staying put day and night, refusing to leave until Elba does, shutting down that site repeatedly and making it possible for them to operate as a company anymore in uh, in Leicester. And people may have seen uh, the type of actions that we've done before and supported from the sidelines. This is a way for everyone to join the front lines and getting rid of the next Israeli arms factory in this country uh, before we move on to close down the rest. So we encourage everyone to join us. You can find out more information on palestineaction.org forward slash siege um, and and to get down to that site and and help us all shut Albert down sooner rather than later. Well, there we have it from Huda and Palestine Action who have made history already in this country and have achieved in a very short space of time things that people would work many decades to achieve in their own country. So we salute Palestine Action always and we hope that everybody who is watching this will be able to make it down to Leicester on the 1st of May. Thank you very much for joining us today, Huda. Thank you.